1: from KQED.
0: This is the California Report. Good morning, I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Over the weekend, employees of healthcare giant, Kaiser Permanente, staged worker solidarity rallies. Tens of thousands of Kaiser workers, like nurses, pharmacists, and physical therapists, are threatening to strike. Weary from the pandemic, workers are unhappy with Kaiser over staffing levels and its proposals to increase pay by only 1% a year over three years and to create a two-tier wage system, which would pay new hires substantially less. Here's Hal Ruddock, Director of the Alliance of Healthcare Unions, addressing hundreds of Kaiser workers at a rally in Pasadena.
3: Union members are sick and tired of hearing companies talk about us as heroes, putting up signs, recognizing employees and heroes, and turning around and treating us with disrespect. Don't call us heroes. Treat us like heroes.
0: One of those attending the rally was Kaiser operating room nurse Saeed Robb, who was infected with COVID while on the job. He told the California report that Kaiser's wage and salary proposals are an insult given the pandemic risks he and his nursing colleagues have faced.
4: I was positive. Then I gave it to all my three kids my mom, my dad, my wife, and my cousin. Eight people got infected. I worked. But this is now all those hard work I did at the time of COVID. The Kaiser doesn't understand how much risk I took, what I did. They are asking for pay raise one percent. What are you talking about? And we tell to Kaiser that you you wanna make the best in the healthcare, then you gotta reinvest in the nurses. Kaiser
0: says meeting worker demands would lead to higher health care costs and less healthcare access for its members. Open enrollment begins today for Covered California, the state's health insurance marketplace. Expanded federal subsidies will make 2022 health insurance policies far more affordable. The American Rescue Plan, which was signed by President Biden, will help consumers in all income brackets by paying for an average of 90% of their monthly health insurance premiums. Those who are interested can sign up online, over the phone, or at one of several Covered California field offices across Across the state. And this weekend, activists and supporters gathered at San Francisco's Dolores Park to celebrate the release of the last remaining person detained by Immigration and Customs Enforcement at the Yuba County Jail. KQD's Asul Dalstrom Ekman reports. Ricardo Vasquez Cruz had been held at the jail for over three years. Edwin Carmona Cruz is a member of the Free the Yuba 11 Coalition. He says ICE has been mistreating people in its custody.
4: Our community partners have been consistent with documenting the human rights abuses, the inhumane conditions, the lack of COVID safety protocols, and how just dangerous and unnecessary detention is in general. The coalition is now advocating that federal officials end ICE's contract with the jail. ICE's website states that detainees live
0: in, quote, safe, secure, and humane environments, end quote. They did not immediately respond to a request for comment. For the California Report, I'm Azul Dalstrom Ekman. San Francisco. A new organization in California hopes to help people who've been released from prison reintegrate back into their communities. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi has the details.
3: The Reentry Providers Association of California, or REPAC, is the nation's first statewide coordinated effort to help formerly incarcerated people succeed on the outside. Sean Huff is with the advocacy group Californians for Safety and Justice, and is a board member for Repack. He says while jobs are an important aspect of the reentry process, people need to find careers. We are positioning people not just to reenter, but to be successful and not really keeping people trapped into this incarceration poverty or post incarceration poverty that traps the person in, in, in this class where you can never get ahead. Huff says Repack also plans to work with providers to connect those who are formerly incarcerated with the services they need. What about those with mental health issues or just dealing with the, a lot of the trauma that often led to the bad decisions that we made? How do we get connected to a public health provider, right? How do I look at a person's complete health and well-being? California releases as many as 35,000 people each year who have either finished their sentence or been paroled. Those numbers have soared during the pandemic in an effort to ease crowding. Organizers say that's placed even more importance on reentry programs in the state. For the California Report, I'm Keith Mizuguchi.
0: Starting today, Marin County is lifting indoor mask restrictions for people who are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. That includes restaurants, bars, grocery stores, and churches, but businesses can still require masks for customers. Marin is the first county in the Bay Area to lift indoor mask restrictions after meeting the criteria set by health officials back in September. This week, world leaders, scientists, and activists gather in Glasgow, Scotland, for the United Nations Climate Conference, also known as COP26. The conference is considered critical in assessing what's happened or hasn't when it comes to the world's response to the threat of climate change, and hammering out future strategies and commitments from governments to keep our planet from heating up even more. There'll be plenty of Californians at the conference, and we thought this would be a good time time to review the state's ambitious climate change goals and what's being done to achieve them. Joining us to discuss is KQED climate reporter Ezra David Romero. Ezra, thanks for joining us.
4: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: So as I said, California is sending this big group to Glasgow, and I can see why nations have climate change mitigation goals, but why California? Why should the Golden State have a climate change target or policies like a Germany or China or Norway?
4: Yeah, well, simply put, California has the largest economy out of all the states, and if we were a sovereign nation, we would rank fifth in and out of the whole world. So what we do here matters, and it influences national policy. It's also important to note that the state doesn't have a negotiating seat at COP26 because they're not a nation. But all of this is a chance for state leaders to tout its climate work and to compare ourselves to the rest of the world. So tell me
0: about California's goals when it comes to reducing greenhouse gases. How are we doing
4: when it comes to achieving that? Well, we have a lot of goals here. Everything from car and truck emission standards, a law that mandates a quarter of all cap and trade funds go to low-income communities. And we also have rules that mandate reducing short-term lived climate pollutants like methane. We want to reduce those by 50% in less than a decade. But I think most notably, the state reached its 2020 goal to reduce greenhouse gas emissions below 1990 levels four years early. So that was a really big deal. But some scientists say the state isn't on track to meet stricter goals by 2030 or even 2050. And in September, the legislature failed to pass the California Climate Crisis Act. That bill would have had the state become climate neutral as soon as possible and no later by 2045. And climate activists and some scientists say that was a lost opportunity to take the climate crisis seriously.
0: You know, when I think of a contributor to climate change, I immediately think of all of the cars on California's highways and freeways and roads. What's happening there?
4: California has this goal to have 1.5 million zero-emission vehicles on roads by 2025, and then 5 million by 2030. So far, we have fewer than a million, and there's only something like 2 million nationwide, so there's a long way to go. There's a lot of work to get to that point. But then there's all the infrastructure that we need to support those cars. The state has a goal of 250,000 charging stations by 2025, and we only have about 75,000 so far. So there's a lot of work to be done there.
0: And finally, Ezra, you know as well as I do that California has this clean, green reputation. We're the land of solar farms and wind farms and lots of Teslas. We should be pretty well positioned to meet our climate change goals, but is that the reality?
4: Yeah, well, California, you know, we have this litany of climate policies and plans, and you might see electric vehicles like Teslas all over the place, but it's at the same time, it's also the seventh largest producer of crude oil in the country. And remember, this climate crisis is all about the effects of what happens when we burn fossil fuels. So in one way, we are this place that has these climate emission goals and it's really great. But on the other side, we're an oil state. And the state auditor recently said that if California doesn't make deeper cuts to greenhouse gas emissions, it will likely fail to reach its goals. So we have a lot of work ahead of us.
0: Well, listen, Ezra David Romero, a climate change reporter for KQED, thanks so much for joining us on The California Report. Really appreciate your time.
4: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.
0: There's been a lot of attention in recent weeks on the passage of the Biden administration's massive social spending legislative package called Build Back Better, but the White House also says it's committed to immigration reform, ultimately creating a pathway to citizenship for the 11 to 12 million undocumented who live in this country. A key figure in that effort is California's U.S. Senator Alex Padilla. Padilla himself is the child of immigrants from Mexico and is the first Latino to represent the Golden State in the Senate. Because of Republican opposition to a regular legislative vote, Padilla is putting his hopes on a complicated process called budget reconciliation to get immigration reform passed. He talked to the California Report about that and his own political future.
2: I'm hopeful that we're going to make some significant progress on uh, uh, the immigration front here through the budget reconciliation package. And again, a reminder, the reason we are so focused here is because Republican senators, all 50 of them refuse to, uh, I think, negotiate in good faith. I've heard a lot of, you know, we support dreamers, we support farm workers, but, 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 but an excuse after excuse, after excuse. So if we're able to, uh, utilized precedent of when Republicans ran the majority and changed immigration laws through budget reconciliation in 2005. With that as precedent, if we're able to do the same and do right by dreamers, TPS holders, farm workers, all essential workers, the goal here is to provide as much security and protection to as many uh, immigrants as possible. And I'm uh, feeling good about our chances here.
0: Why? I mean, the Senate parliamentarian, I won't get in the weeds on this too much, but the Senate parliamentarian, who's basically the arbiter of what can be in reconciliation, what can't, has ruled against you a couple of times now. So what gives you that confidence?
2: Right. I'm confident because, uh, you know, we have compelling arguments, not just moral arguments, but solid economic arguments to be made. The parliamentarian's initial, you know, sort of denials of uh, the first proposal that we put in front of her was just that, it was a note to a specific proposal, not to doing uh, immigration changes to reconciliation as a whole. So uh, we have a plan B, we have a plan C, we have alternative proposals that we believe meets the uh, criteria of the reconciliation process. Uh, and uh, you know, again, optimistic that we're going to be a successful one. This is all said and done.
0: And Senator, beyond immigration, one question about you. Um... You were not elected to this position that you're in as U.S. senator from California. You were selected by Governor Gavin Newsom to fill the empty seat left by Kamala Harris when she became vice president of the United States. Uh, But you will face voters next year in an election. You've already announced that you will be running. What will be your argument to the people of California that you deserve to keep this job?
2: you know, a better response to the COVID-19 pandemic. We saw the prior administration in denial of COVID. And uh, among my first acts as a member of the Senate was to help craft and vote for the American Rescue Plan. And you look at the relief that's meant for working families, for small business owners, for state and local governments, and vaccines, vaccines, vaccines. You know, California is uh, one of the leading states when it comes to vaccine distribution, shots in arms, and we see the uh, lower uh, case counts as a result. I'm proud of that. So I'm here to make it count, make every day
0: count. That's U.S. Senator Alex Padilla of California. And that's the California Report for Monday, November 1st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great morning and day.
4: Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits, stanfordhealthcare.org slash adaptingcare. PaintCare now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com.
1: Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast. And I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I'm